Welcome to our class on Chassidus. This week we are going to be learning a Chassidic discourse that the Rebbe said in the year Tavshin Chavtes, which is 51 years ago, and the Rebbe certified and edited this, this discourse in the year Tavshin Nonalev 29 years ago. The Chassidic discourse is based on the verse, the opening verse in this week's Torah portion, where the Torah says, Vayidaber Hashem al Moshe, God speaks to Moshe Rabbeinu and he tells him, Zoyis chukas This is the statue of the Torah. And it goes on to say, what is the statue of the Torah? Vayikhu they should bring to you para aduma, the red heifer. So Rashi says, what does it mean, Vayikhu they should bring to you? So Rashi explains, the oilam, forever, the para will be referred to as on Moshe Rabbeinu's name, and that's why Vikhoelacha doesn't just mean that first para aduma, but even the ones that they brought later on, and even the ones that they're going to bring when the last one, Mashiach, comes, will be a total of 10. It's always going to be in reference to Moshe Rabbeinu, the red heifer that Moshe Rabbeinu did for the Jewish people in the desert. So the Rebbe asks a very simple question. The fact is, only the first one Moshe Rabbeinu did. The rest were not the Moshe Rabbeinu. So how come they're all called on Moshe Rabbeinu? That's question number one. Number two is, not only didn't they bring it to Moshe Rabbeinu, the rest of them, but since the, the Torah says that it's called on Moshe Rabbeinu's name, there has to be some kind of connection to Moshe Rabbeinu. What kind of connection is there between the Parah Aduma and Moshe Rabbeinu that all the Paras are going to be called in reference to the idea of Moshe Rabbeinu? So the Rebbe brings from Lakutai Torah, which we know as the Chassidic um, insights into the Torah portion from the Alter Rebbe. And the Alter Rebbe says that in reference to Parah Aduma, there's a simple question. The Torah says, Zois Chukas Torah. This is the statue of the whole Torah. So the question is, it goes on to speak out of Parah Aduma, one specific mitzvah, the red heifer. So why is it called Chukas Torah as if it's, we're going to learn now something about the whole Torah. So the author explains that there's a connection between Zois Chukas Torah and the whole Torah. Why is that? Because we know that the Torah Hashem gave us was through Moshe Rabbeinu. And matter of fact, it's called Torah Moshe, the Torah of Moshe Rabbeinu. We know the verse says, Zichru Torah Moshe Avdi. You have to remember the Torah of Moshe, my servant. So the same thing also when it comes to Parah Aduma, since the Parah Aduma is something which is called in Hebrew, Klalas Torah has the general rule of all the Torah. So therefore, it's also called Amayit Rabbeinu. What's the connection between Chukas Torah and Parah Aduma? Because we know that the foundation of every single mitzvah in the world of Kabbalah is called something which is Ratzai Veshuv. What does that mean? Anytime you're doing a mitzvah, you're trying to draw yourself to Hashem. That's the Ratzai. But the fact is, when we do the mitzvah, we do it in this physical world. That's the shuv. The essence of paraduma, the altar explains, is all about ratzui. It's being fir- the fire, it's consumed, it's going up to heaven. And shuv is where the ashes stay down in this world. So the essence of all the mitzvahs is ratzui v'shuv. We see it's clearly, specifically, those two components in the mitzvah of paraduma. And just like all the mitzvahs, the whole Torah is connected to Moshe Rabbeinu, the same thing also, all the components of all the mitzvahs, which is Rachel Veshuv, is also connected to what idea of Moshe Rabbeinu. 
So the Rebbe explains, what, is, what does that mean practically? So the Rebbe explains, based on, we know that in Tanya it says that Moshe Rabbeinu instructed the Jewish people that when they went into Eretz Yisrael, they went into the land of Israel, that they should read the Shema, Shema Yisrael, twice, by day, twice every single day, in order so that they should accept upon themselves, in Hebrew it's called Malchus Shemayim, they should accept upon himself the yoke of heaven. How? In a way of mysterious nefesh. Up to the point they're willing to give their life over for Hashem. Now, why is that so important? Because, the, so Moshe Rain told him, because in order to really fulfill the Torah, which means learn Torah, and to do all the mitzvot, you need to be ready to go on mysterious nefesh for, the, for Hashem. Why? Why is that so important? Because what does mysterious nefesh mean? Mysterious nefesh means you're willing to give yourself over, over to Hashem. In the words of Kabbalah, what is, what is mysterious nefesh? It's one word. It's the idea of bittel. Mysterious nefesh means you're totally willing to give yourself up to Hashem. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's about what Hashem wants. That is bittel. Now, why is that so important? So the Rebbe explains, because the truth is that we, as a human being, God created us, and we are the opposite of Bittel. We are a Matthias. We're a somebody. We're a something. So when a person says, Shema Yisrael, I'm willing to give my life up for Hashem. I'm willing to become bottle to Hashem. That allows me to connect to Hashem. Because my Matthias, my essence, doesn't allow me to connect to Hashem. There's me and there's Hashem. When I say Shema with Bittal, that allows me to put myself on the side and I'm able to connect to Hashem. Now the fact is, that's very hard for humans to do. Think about it. If we are a somebody and we are a something, now we're saying that what? We should have mysterious nefesh, we should be bottle for Hashem. How does that work? And the answer is because since who's the one that instructed and inspired the Jewish people and motivated them to say the Shema twice every day and to say it in a way of Mesiris Nefesh, to say it with Bittal, Moshe Rabbeinu. And we know Moshe Rabbeinu, the, his essence was Bittal. His essence where he was totally dedicated to Hashem. As Moshe Rabbeinu said when they asked him for food, he said, what am I? I'm a nothing. And because Moshe Rabbeinu inspired Bittal by the Jewish people, therefore they were able to do it. So based on this, Rabbi explains, what is Moshe Rabbeinu doing for the Jewish people? Inspiring them to go on Mesiris Nefesh. Inspiring them to have Bittal. So therefore, that's why it says, it's always going to be called on Shmech on Moshe Rabbeinu, because since our whole observance of learning Torah and doing mitzvahs and paradumas, part of Torah and mitzvahs, has to do with what? Based on the foundation of Messiris Nefesh. And how did we get the Messiris Nefesh? How do we have the energy and the inspiration to go on Messiris Nefesh and to be habitable? That comes from Moshe Rabbeinu. And that's why every single time we learn, every time we do a mitzvah, and Anything we do, we do it from Bittal Kansu Moshe Rabbeinu, and that's why it's always going to be in the Kras of Shmecha. We're always going to remember Moshe Rabbeinu because he's the one, the driving force in our lives to allow us to live a life that is dedicated to Hashem by learning Torah and doing mitzvahs in a manner of what? In a manner of Bittal. And the Rebbe says that applies to, we know in every single generation there's a 
Someone that represents Moshe Rabbeinu. In Hebrew, it's called Ispashtusha the Moshe. Someone that represents Moshe Rabbeinu. And we know, and obviously in our generation, it's, it's, the, it's the Rebbe that's the, the inspiration. He is one that's representing Moshe Rabbeinu. Um, obviously, in the times of the Friedrich Rebbe, the Friedrich Rebbe, in every generation, there's a Rebbe that represents that. So that Rebbe that represents us inspires us to have the idea of Bittal. Now, the, what, what is the idea that um, that so so that para duma is chukas adhara. Fine, so we get it. Moshe Rabbeinu inspires us bittel. But what does para aduma have to do with the fact that it says chukas adhara? This is the whole Torah. So the Rebbe explains as follows: because the fact is, the foundation of all the mitzvahs is the idea of chukim. Because. Every mitzvah, there's two parts to a mitzvah. There's a mitzvah, the specific mitzvah, but there's a common denominator and there's a common essence that runs through every mitzvah, and that is that a mitzvah is Ratzayin Ha'elyon. It's the will of Hashem. In other words, we have like this. We know in the chart of the Sfirot, you have emotions, you have intellect, and you have Ratzayin. Intellect is Seichel, but then Ratzayin is above Seichel. So in other words, there's a component in the mitzvah that we understand, and that's the reasons for the mitzvahs. But then there's the component of the mitzvah which is above intellect. So certain mitzvahs, we understand what they are. We get it. Seichel can understand why Hashem told us to do so. But what is the... In every mitzvah, even the ones that we understand, there's a component which is above intellect. Why are we doing this mitzvah? If you go back, to, if you go to the essence, it's because that's what Hashem wanted. So therefore, since chukah is the part of the mitzvah which we don't understand why we're doing it, the main thrust is the idea it's Ratzin Hashem, it's Ratzin HaElyon. So that's why chuk, this is why it's called chukah because since paradum is a chukah, and that is chukah which basically has that component in every single mitzvah in the Torah. And since Moshe Rabbeinu is the one that inspires us that we should do every single mitzvah with Bittal, and that's the connection that Moshe Rabbeinu has specifically, and that's why they brought chukas, the, the chukas of power to Moshe Rabbeinu, because Moshe Rabbeinu inspires Bittal to we should do things for Ratzon Elyon, not only in this mitzvah, but obviously what? In all the mitzvahs that we do, we should do it in a way of Bittal, or in, in other words, it's called Kabbalah's oil. To do it, we're accepting, this is what Hashem wants, we're ready to do whatever Hashem wants. So, based on this, the Rebbe actually brings a medrash. The medrash says on the same verse, where it says, they should bring the power to Moshe Rabbeinu. So the medrash says as follows, Hashem tells Moshe Rabbeinu, to you, I'm going to reveal to you the secret and the reason of Paraduma. And as we know, the Paraduma is the red heifer. It's a chayk. There's no, there's no logic behind it. But Hashem says, You, Moshe Rabbeinu, I'm going to reveal to you the secret of the Paraduma. However, to everyone else, it's going to be a chayk. It's going to be a statue. A mitzvah without a reason. So the Rebbe asked a simple question. Since Moshe Rabbeinu, based on this medrash, understood the reason for all the mitzvahs, and he understood the reason of even Paraduma. And here we're saying is we're getting our inspiration from Moshe Rabbeinu, that we should observe all the mitzvahs. Because why? Because above, above logic, we're accepting it, and the source comes from Chukah, from Paraduma. Moshe Rabbeinu knew the reason. 
So if Moshe Rabbeinu knew the reason of chukah, so why is he doing it? Because it made sense? Or because above logic? Seemingly, he did it. He, he observed the mitzvah of Paraduma because it made sense. So how is Moshe Rabbeinu inspiring us to observe the mitzvot beyond logic? So the Rebbe says, seemingly you can say that the truth is, every single mitzvah, as we mentioned before, has two components. Every mitzvah has the part we understand and the part we don't understand. So take, for example, edus and mishpatim, testimonies and mitzvahs that have logic. Every one of those mitzvahs have a reason. That's one component of the mitzvah, but it also has a component where it's beyond logic. Why did Hashem specifically pick it? Hashem chose it. Fine. But then you have chukim. Chukim means it's beyond logic. But even chukim have a logic. The proof is that Moshe Rabbeinu was revealed to Moshe Rabbeinu. But that logic is not logic of this physical world. It's logic that you can understand it if you're on the level of Neshama Vatsilas. Since Moshe Rabbeinu was on the Neshama Vatsilas, he was able to comprehend that. Now, so therefore, <coughs> this that Moshe Rabbeinu understood it wasn't because in this world he understood it. Because Moshe Rabbeinu is a very, very high, high level, that's why he was able to, able to understand it. But Rabbi asked one second. The fact is, in every mitzvah, there's again, there's the revealed part of the mitzvah and the concealed part of the mitzvah. It means there's the part that we understand the logic and the part we don't understand the logic. So, when we observe Eidus Mishpatim, we could observe it, I'm doing Ratzon HaShe'al, I'm doing the will of Hashem. I don't need no logic, but I do understand, it's irrelevant. Or I can do it because I understand, I understand it. So even though you have both, but when we do a Mishpat, when we do an Eidos, we learn the reason for the mitzvah. And even though, yes, we could do it, and we sometimes do it because of mitzvah HaShem, and there's a part of us that do it for that reason. But the fact is, the revealed part is, we understand the reason. However, when it comes to chukim, yes, there's a reason. We don't know the reason. It's our subconscious. In the world of Atzillus, Moshe Rehnesidah, we don't know it. But why do we observe chukim? Because it's Ratzon Hashem. So if we're observing it because it's Ratzon Hashem, and to Moshe Rabbeinu, he is observing the chukim. He knows the reason. So to Moshe Rabbeinu, what's the difference between Echoik and Eidus Meshpatim? Since Moshe Rabbeinu knows the reason, what's the difference? So the Rebbe, and, and since there's no difference, so how does he inspire us to do it from the level of Chayk? So the Rebbe explains this based on a uh, psalm that says, Tefillah Moshe, that Moshe Rabbeinu prayed. So it says in the Zoyar, in Kabbalah, it says, Moshe Rabbeinu prayed, Moshe Rabbeinu had everything. He had everything. When do you pray? When you need something. You need something, you pray. If you have everything, what are you praying for? What are you asking for? When you ask, that means you don't have it, you're asking for it. So what does it mean, Tefillah L'Moshe? So the Zoyer says that when it, when it says Tefillah L'Moshe, it's something which is called, and we'll explain it, Moshe Rabbeinu's prayer is called a Tefillah Asher. It's a prayer of a rich man. A whole different level of prayer. It's not a prayer of a poor man when you don't have, but there's something which is called Tefillah Asher. And the Rebbe says that this idea 
of Tfila of, of Moshe, where it's, where it's a Tfilas Asher, is connected to the Geula, the redemption of the altar of Yitzhak Kislev, when you said that verse in Tilim. And it's also connected also to the previous Rebbe when he said that. And we'll soon see later how, what's the connection of a tefillah of Asher, a rich person, in reference to the redemption of both the Alter Rebbe and the Friedrich Rebbe. So the Rebbe now explains, what is this whole idea of a rich, rich person's prayer? What's this mean, there's a rich person's prayer? Why? Well, what's, what's the issue? The issue is very simple. Generally speaking, when you're praying, what are you praying for? I have a lack, I have a, a, a want, I have a need, I have emptiness, and I want Hashem to fill it. If you're a rich person and you're not lacking anything, so what are you praying for? Not only that, we know that you, there's certain people, for example, let's say they have everything physically, but spiritually they're lacking certain things. So they're praying for Hashem, Hashem, you know what, Baruch Hashem, physically I have everything, I have all my material possessions I need, I'm grateful, I'm happy. Spiritually I have an emptiness. Okay, so that would be, again, a prayer for your emptiness on a spiritual level. So prayer again is something spiritual. But Moshe Rabbeinu, we know even when he lived in this physical world, he lived, as we call it, a Neshama Vatsilis. He had everything physically, and there was nothing he was lacking, nothing he was lacking. He had everything spiritually. There was nothing he was lacking. And as the Talmud says, there's no separation between Moshe and Hashem. So he was wealthy physically, materially. He was wealthy spiritually. So what's this idea that you're saying a prayer of a rich person by Moshe Rabbeinu? What, what, what was he praying for? And not only that, but... It, it's brought down in the Zohar, it says, that a rich person doesn't only mean he's not lacking anything. It means he has enough. No, 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 it means he actually has an abundance. So in our case, it would be, if he's a rich person, he's a, he's a, he's a, he has an abundance of physical things, he has an abundance of spiritual things, everything, everything he has. So if he has, not only he's not lacking, but he has an abundance of everything, so what's this idea of a rich person praying? In other words, and the Rebbe goes into explain specifically like this. We know when it comes to Hashem, there's different levels of light that Hashem gives to the world. There's something which is called Oyrhamamale, and I'll, I'll, say, I'll say them and I'll translate them and I'll explain them. And there's something which is called Soivev Kalalmin. And then there's something which is called the essence of Hashem. In other words, like this. There's the idea Oyrhamamale. What does Ehrhamali means? That in this world, the light of Hashem is penetrates into every part of the world and it fills every single aspect of the world. So when Hashem created the world, the six days of creation, what did Hashem use? He didn't use the essence of Hashem because the world couldn't handle it. It's not even Saiviv because that goes around, but it's the idea of the light Ehrhamali. This light, which is fits into the world, that gives the world the right energy to create every single thing Hashem needed to create every single day of creation. And every single day, this Oyer HaMali, this light, which fills the world, gives the world its sustenance to live and to survive and to thrive in this world. That's one light. Moshe Rabbeinu was connected to that light. Not only that, but there's something which is called Oyer HaSoyvev. What's Oyer HaSoyvev? Soyvev comes from the word of its, 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 it surrounds it. That means it cannot be internalized within it. And here's very, very interesting. 
when it came to creation of the world, what does Hashem say? He created the world every single day, which is through Oyerhamimale. On the seventh day, what does it say? Hashem finished on the seventh day, but there was something missing. He finished. He worked for six days. He created the world. But there was something missing. What was missing? So, so the Torah says, what was missing was menucha, to be able to relax, to do nothing. So what was the gift Hashem gave on the seventh day? Ba Shabbos, ba menucha. Shabbos came and menucha came. So Shabbos, what light of Hashem is shining? Not Oyer That was for the first six days of creation. What light was shining on Shabbos? And that's why it's so important. If you really want to have a grandiose and over-the-top spiritual experience, you have to rest on Shabbos. Because during the week, if you rest, you're not going to accomplish anything. Because Oyer is shining. There's only so much you can go, so much you can get. Even It's important to rest if you need to rest. But you're not going to get any greater light. On Shabbos, Eir HaSoyvev shines. Now, in order to be a vessel for Eir HaSoyvev, you can't be busy. Because if you're busy, that's Eir HaMamali. So what happens on Shabbos is when a person does nothing, then you're allowing the infinite light of Eir HaSoyvev to come into your life. But this Moshe Reina also had... And not only did he have Eirah Malay, not only did he have Eirah Seviv, which we benefit from obviously on Shabbat, but he also had the, the revelation of the infinite light of Hashem, which is much higher than Eirah Malay and Eirah Seviv. Why is that? So it's brought down in Zohar and it says like this. There is something which is called Das. We know in the Sirot there's Chachma, Bina, and Das. Chachma is wisdom, ideas, flash of ideas. Bina is already more development of the idea. And Das is the ability to connect. And it's a very, very intellectual power that we have, that we have the ability to connect. But in Kabbalah it says there's something which is called Das Elyoin, and there's something which is called Das Tachtoin. What's the difference between Das Elyoin and Das Tachtoin? So Das, we know that Das is a middle sphero. You have Chachma Bina Das. Das is the middle sphero. In Das, this Das, the higher part of Das, the lower part of Das. What's the difference? So if the, ne- the next higher middle sphero above Das is not Chachma Bina. Chachma is on the right, Bina is on the left. So the one above Das is Kesser. In Kesser, there's two levels. The lower level is Arich, which is Ratzain, and the higher level is Atik, which is Tainuk. Moshe Rabbeinu was connected always to the highest level, Das Elyon. Because he was connected to the highest level of Das Elyon, he saw the world from a whole different place. And as he was connected to a very, very powerful place. We hope to at least read Das Tachtain. Listen, if we can experience higher stuff, that's great, that's wonderful. Now, so where did he connect to? Moshe Rabbeinu was Das Elyon, so he connected to what? The higher level in Kesser, the, connect, the level of Atik, which is basically the level of Oyer Ein Soif, which is higher than coming into the world. And that was the level of Moshe Rabbeinu. So if that's the case, if Moshe Rabbeinu was such a high level, what was he praying for? To fill what? He had everything. Well, prayer means you're lacking something. Moshe Rabbeinu had Oyer 
the one that comes into the world. He was connected to Eira Saivev, the one that comes to the world only in Shabbat. He was connected to Oyu Ein Saif. He was, he was the level of Das El a high level of, an, of connection and understanding. So what was his prayer? So here the Rebbe explains a very, very powerful insight and teaches us what is the idea of a prayer of a rich person. Someone of the level of Moshe Benu that's lacking nothing. Not only is not lacking anything, he has an abundance of everything. What is Tfilas Asher? So the Rebbe says, a Tfilas Asher, a prayer of a rich person, he's not praying for himself. He has everything. Not only he has an abundance. There's nothing lacking, and he has a tremendous abundance physically, spiritually, on all levels. Moshe Reino had everything. So what's he praying? He's praying for other people. To be specific, he's praying for Knesset Yisrael. He's praying for the Jewish community. Like the Medrash says, it gives an example, and the Medrash says like this. The Medrash says as follows. And it gives an example of a king that there were three people that came to the king, and they each wanted something for the king. The first person walked in, asked what he wanted, the king gave it to him. The second person walked in, asked what he wanted, the king gave it to him. And the third person walks in and says, king says, no, what do you want? He says, I'm okay, I have everything. There is nothing that I need, I have everything. However, there's a certain country of the king that is destroyed. And it belongs to you. I want you, the king, should give a decree that it should be rebuilt. So Moshe Rabbeinu, Tefillah Moshe means, and he prayed to Hashem not for himself, but he's telling the Abra- he's telling Hashem that Knesset Yisrael, the Bnei Yisrael, are destroyed. There's things they're lacking, and he wants Hashem to fill whatever Bnei Yisrael need. So Moshe Rabbeinu's Tefillah was. For Bnei Yisrael, based on the Medrash, where he's praying for other people. But the Rebbe asked the question, one second. That's a nice Medrash, and it's nice that he's praying for other people. But it does say, Tefillah La'ashir. In other words, that his prayer is, because he's rich, there's a tefillah, there's a prayer that he has. But if he's praying for someone else, it's not praying, then it shouldn't be Tefillah La'ashir. It should be Tefillah maybe for another Ani. For someone else. But Tefillah means that he himself is praying for himself. So how do you say that Moshe Rain is only praying for other people? Tefillah, means he's a rich person. So when he's saying a Tefillah, he's praying for the, for the usher. He's praying for himself. So what does that mean that he's only praying for the other person? So Derby explains as follows. That we know that Bnei Yisrael, as we called them before, Knesset Yisrael, the gathering of the Jewish people, in the world of Kabbalah, as we know, there's 10 Svirot. So Knesset Yisrael is the level of what? From the Svirot, it's the level of Malchus. Now, so therefore, to use Kabbalistic terms, so Moshe Rabbeinu is praying for Knesset Yisrael. In this world of the Svirot, what is he praying for? He's praying for the Svirot of Malchus. Knows what's Malchus? The way Hashem is king over Bnei Yisrael. The way Hashem relates to Bnei Yisrael. So Moshe Rabbeinu is praying for Malchus. What does that mean, Malchus? Just like if he would be praying for Knesset Yisrael, he's praying the fact that they have needs. So he's praying for Malchus, that Malchus is empty. And Malchus should be filled up with a light. And basically Medina, when, he, when the, the analogy the Medrash gives that there's a certain country that is destroyed, is, the country is referring to the idea of Malchus. It's destroyed means say, there's a lack in Malchus. As we know, when Hashem created the world, He told the uh, 
known to become smaller. So there's a, there's, there's a smallness in Malchus. And he's the, asking Hashem that he should decree that it should, be, it should be rebuilt. What does it mean, rebuilt? Moish Rabbeinu is asking that it should be rebuilt. What does that mean? If you have Malchus and Malchus is empty, how does Malchus get rebuilt? That he wants that the infinite light of Hashem should shine back in Malchus. And when that will be rebuilt, that means Malchus will be filled with what? The infinite light of Hashem. Then there will be, which we all know we say in the prayers, but when someone gets married, a Binyan Adayad. Because you can have a, bin, a, a building that has light in there, but the problem is sometimes the light leaves. But if you have the infinite light of Hashem, then that light doesn't go away. Finite light goes away. So if you have a relationship, Malchus, and inside there's light, light can be stronger and weaker at times. But if you have the infinite light of Hashem, that doesn't go away. So he requested, and his prayer was, that the infinite light of Hashem should go into Malchus, and then the infinite light is not possible to be any type of contraction or concealment, because we're referring to the infinite light of, of, of Hashem. And since Moshe Rabbeinu, and based on this, Rabbi explains, what does it mean, Tfilas Asher? Moshe Rabbeinu is a rich person. What does it mean when he's a rich person? He was connected to the Eirah Malay, as we said before, the, the finite light of Hashem that comes into the world. He was connected to Eirah Seivev, he was connected to the light that comes, hovers over the world on Shabbat, we're able to connect to it by doing nothing. He was connected to the infinite light of Hashem. Atzma Seirah Seif. And that, and what he prayed for was, because he was able to appreciate the infinite light of Hashem, and as you mentioned before, he's connected to Das Elia in the higher level of Das, Atik, which is the infinite light of Hashem. So he prayed, Tfilalash, because he was a rich person, he appreciated and he understood, and he was connected to the infinite light, he prayed that that infinite light should go into Malchus. And that B'nai Yisrael that are lacking that infinite light, we should receive that infinite light in our lives. And that's Phil Asher. So he prayed for us, that, and because he was an Asher, he knew what it was, we should have the same powerful and beautiful experience. Now, so now they're asked a question. One second. So Moshe Rabbeinu is praying that what? That we, Knesset Yisrael, Malchus, should receive what? This powerful, infinite light of Hashem. So the Rebbe asks a simple question. Fine, grant you. Moish Rabbeinu knows the light, sees the light, experiences the light, and is praying for that light to come into this world, into Malchus. Now, in Kabbalah, there's something which is two terms we're going to use here. There's something which is called Milmaila Lamata, and there's something which is called Milmata Lamaila. Milmaila Lamata means when you get a gift. It means Hashem showers you with a gift, you didn't do anything for it. So it means Melmaila comes from above, and yeah, you're getting the gift. Melmaila Lamata. On the other hand, there's something which is called Melmata Lamaila. You work for the gift. Melmata, you put in the effort, and then the gift comes down. When Moish Rabbeinu, who's an usher, he's connected to Eir HaMalei, Eir HaSeveh, the infinite light of Hashem, Atik, the highest level, Das Elyon, he prays that the infinite light should come down to, into Malchus, is what is that called? That's called Nolmaila Lamata. We didn't, we didn't earn it, we don't understand it, we're not connected to it, but he prayed that we should receive that. But the fact is, what does it say? Tfilah Lamoisha. Tfilah means that you're praying. What does praying mean? Milmata, I'm, I'm 
opening up my heart to you, Hashem. The prayer is coming melmata, that it should come down, it should come down lamata. That means I am praying melmata, that lamaila should come down. So what does that mean? One hand we're saying is, Moshe Rabbeinu is asking for this huge gift, which is melmaila lamata. On the other hand, we're praying that what? He's praying. So it's melmata So is it a gift or is it the prayer? So the Rebbe explains as follows. That, what did we say before? The goal is that it should be a binyan adayat. It should be an everlasting, an everlasting, build, uh, everlasting building. So therefore, Moshe Rabbeinu was doing two things. On one hand, he prayed, it was tefillah, because why? Because in order for the, the, the building to last, in order for when the light comes down to this world, it shall last forever. So Moshe Rabbeinu wanted two things. On one hand, he wanted that we should receive which light? Atzmas Eren Saif, the most powerful light. On the other hand, and it should come down to this world, Milmail Lamata. On the other hand, if it just came from above, this powerful light came in and we didn't work for it, there was no tefillah, it wouldn't last. So Moshe was trying to accomplish two things. One is the greatest light should come down to this world. Atzmas Eren Saif should come down to this world which seemingly has no connection to the world, but nevertheless, the way it comes down to come to the world should come down into Malchus and a way that's connected to Malchus itself, and that happens through Moshe Rabbeinu praying. And the Rebbe says, not only should it be in a way that it's coming through prayer, but actually the, the actual drawing down should be done in a way that we're putting in the effort. And there be explained, why is that so important? Why is it so important that we shouldn't just receive the gift? And we shouldn't just only come down to this world, but she's done through prayer, where we're putting in the effort, where it's us, it's milmata l'mayla as well. And Derby explains as follows. Because he says that um, when Hashem created the world, everything Hashem created was not complete. Hashem created in the world that everything He created needs, and I'll use the word in Hebrew, and I'll translate it, needs tikkun. Everything in this world needs tikkun, needs to be fixed. For example, you want to eat bread. You go to the ground and get bread. No, you have to, if this, if this work the ground, you have to put seeds in, you have to plant, and the kernels come out, and you have to grind it, flour, water, until you have the bread. The same thing also, there's nothing in this world that's ready-made. Ready-made is not really ready-made. But ready-made ready made doesn't exist. Everything requires effort. Hashem wants us to do something which is called tikkun ha'olam. Why? Because the whole purpose of Hashem creating the world, and I'll say it in Hebrew, is because Hashem wanted something which is called avoidas ha'odam, that we should work, not necessarily work physically, that's a job, but it's spiritual. Every single person has a responsibility every single day, many times a day, to do something which is called Avaidas Adam. That's where we pray three times a day, that's where we make blessings before we eat, and that's where we meditate, and that's where we learn Torah, and that's where we do mitzvot. All under the banner of Hashem wanted something which is called Avaidas Adam. Why did Hashem want us to work? You can say, what do you mean? Let him give me. Let him give me a carte blanche credit card. And the answer is because Hashem wanted partners. Hashem wanted us to be his partners in the creation of the world. And because Hashem wanted us to be his partner, therefore we have avoid the southern. We have work to do. We have a lot of work to do. And therefore, because we have a lot of work to do, therefore Hashem created the world specifically. If you look at the Sphero, this Chachma Bina Das, 
Chesed Gvurat Feres, and that's a Chod Yisoid, and then you have something which is called Malchus. What is Malchus? When it comes to Malchus, Malchus is empty. Malchus is an empty zero. Why? Because in Malchus, the light was concealed, and, and it's interesting, is specifically when the light is concealed, that becomes the source of the next world. So for example, in Atzilut, you have the 10th Sirot, the last one is Malchus, there's nothing there, and from the nothing becomes a source to the next wor- world. Like for example, the verse says, in the, in the Torah it says, um, in, instead of saying Atta with a hey, it says Atta sees Shemayim Varetz, without a hey. Why? Because Hashem pulled out, in Kabbalah, hey is five. Well, that's numerical value. Five different energies Hashem pulled out from the world, and specifically from Malchus, and so that we can put that back into the world. In other words, Ara Voida. Our avoidus adam, our work in this world is that whatever is missing in the world, we need to put back into the world. Because Hashem wants very, very much for us to be his partner. Now, the goal is Hashem should be revealed through learning Torah and doing mitzvot, etc. But because Hashem created this world, Hashem should be revealed through our effort. And therefore, everything that happens in this world comes through, which is, some, which is called Avoidas Adam. So we need to work, do our Avoida, and that brings the light down to this world. And that's why Malchus is an empty sphere. Our job is to fill Malchus. Fill it with the infinite light, but not fill it with the infinite light with just a gift from above. Through the tefillah, through the prayer, through doing our avoida every single day, and constantly we do our part, so there's something which is called avoida melmaila, where Hashem gives us the gift, but we also have the, more importantly, or just as important, we have the avoida melmata melmaila. Now, based on this, the, uh, the, the, the Rebbe explains in the Mimer, so we learned three levels. What's the three levels we learned? We learned the level of Mamali Kalalmim, the way Hashem fills the world. And then the way Soiv Kalam Hashem encompasses the world. And then you have the Avoida, which is Oyrein Soiv, which is um, to, uh, above the idea of Mamali and Soiv. Three different levels. So what does that mean practically? We know that Judaism, again, is not about, we just learned, it's all about avoidas adam. it's all about doing our spiritual work. So based on this, the Rebbe explains that when we say Shema, which is the highlight of the prayer service, every single day we have the, the Shachar's prayer service, so we have the whole build-up, but the build-up is to the Shema. What does it say in Shema? In Shema it says, Hafta. Our avoida in this world is to love Hashem. And there's no greater work than working on our love for Hashem. That we shouldn't just have a relationship with doing what Hashem wants, but we have to have a loving relationship for Hashem. So in Shema, when it says, that we should love Hashem, what does it say? It says, Hashem you should love Hashem your God. And then it says, with your whole heart, with your whole soul, with your whole might. So the question is, what does that mean? It says via hafta. I should love Hashem. Great, I'm loving Hashem. But then it tells you three different ways to love Hashem. And it goes, one go, one goes stronger than the next. Bechal avavcha, with your whole heart. Bechal nafshcha, with your whole soul. Bechal maidecha, your whole might. What does that mean, practically? So the Rebbe explains very simple. That the first level, which is bechal avavcha, is like the level of memali kalalman. What does that mean? What does memali kalalman mean? The way Hashem's light comes into us internally. 
when a person meditates on the fact that my whole existence is because Hashem has given me life, Hashem created me and constantly creates me, then not only, and this is important because we have a godly soul, we have an animal soul. When a person meditates on the fact that Hashem is giving me life on life force, so not only my godly soul, but my animal soul. My animal soul is grateful that Hashem gave me right now life. For example, when a person is healthy, and especially, God forbid, if you were sick and you became healthy, who's happy that you're healthy? Is only your godly soul happy you're healthy? Or is your animal soul as well happy? Sure, your animal soul as well is happy. And that's why it's important to constantly think about all the great things Hashem does for us. Being grateful is very, very important. Because when you're grateful, you inspire your animal soul to serve Hashem. So when a person meditates on all the gifts that Hashem gives you, then you have Bechol Levavcha. Levavcha is plural, two hearts. Which means your godly soul and your animal soul. So the first thing is Bechol Levavcha. Again, which is connected to the Oyer When you think about the way Hashem is giving you life force, your hands are moving, your feet, your whole body, your, all the blessings you have, everything you're grateful for. So then, your godly soul is happy and loves Hashem and your animal soul as well. And that's the Avodah. So when you say every single day in davening, you say it more than three times a day, the Shema, what do you need to think about? My animal, my, is my animal soul inspired to love Hashem? And if not, go back and meditate. Meditate on what? On Ayyuhamale, the way Hashem gives you everything you have. And all the blessings in a real way. And that's the first love, Bechal After you do Bechal next one is Bechal Nafshecha. So Bechal Nafshecha is already connected to Ayyuhasayvev Kalalman. What does that mean? When you think about the infinite light of Hashem, which is so powerful it cannot even come into this world, then, I'm willing to give my life up for Hashem. Now that's already, that doesn't say, that already, you're not going to get the animal soul, not going to be partners with you on that one. Because the animal soul likes this world. He's not willing to give, yeah, I love Hashem, I'm grateful and thank you. The animal soul's on board with you. But now it's, a, now it's just the godly soul. Oh my gosh, I am willing to even give my whole, my whole life for Hashem. Why? Because look, it's the, the most powerful light which comes in. Look on Shabbos. The, 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 the animal soul is not ready to give, give, give up Shabbos, but the godly soul will do anything for a Shabbos. Why? Because it wants to experience the Eir HaSoyvev. That is Bechol Nafshecha. <clears throat> And another reason why it's only Bechol Nafshecha, because the fact is that the Nefesh kiss is source is in Yudkei Vavkei, which is in Soivev. And that's why Bechol Nafshecha is only for the Nefesh kiss. But then you have to go to the next level. After you did Bechol Vavcha with the good godly soul and the animal souls loving Hashem for all the grateful things. Wonderful. Bechol Nafshecha already, the godly soul is ready to give up his life for Hashem. Why? Because it's the infinite light of Hashem. It's willing to totally connect to Hashem. And that's the gift of Shabbos, Baruch Hashem. But then you have Bechol Mo'itcha. What's Mo'itcha connected to? Atzmos Eirin Seif, the infinite light of Hashem, which is basically the idea of believable. There is no limits. There's nothing holding you back. And that is already a whole different level. It's a whole different level. Why? Because in Oyer Soivev, it's a light, which has some kind of uh, limitation to it. In Ma'oitcha, there's no limits. No limits whatsoever. There's no calculations. It's totally above everything. 
Now, after he explains the connection between Oyer HaMali, Oyer HaSoyvev, Atzmas Oyer HaSoyv, with Ava B'chol Abalcha, B'chol Nafshcha, B'chol Meidecha, he goes on to say that why is it so important, why is it so important to connect the Ahava, the love for Hashem, with these powerful ideas of Erein Hamale, Erein and Atzmos Erein Saif. So he explains, because what's the, what did we say before? What's the whole reason why Hashem created the world? In a way that He left us to do things. Hashem wants avoid us Adam. Hashem wants us to do our work. What's our work? So the Zohar actually says there's no work um, greater than the work of Avas Hashem. And the Lashna Zohar, it says, less Pulchana Kipulchana Derechmisa. There's no greater work than the work of loving Hashem. So since there's no greater work than the work of loving Hashem, so the whole reason for the Oyer Mali, the Oyer HaSoyvev, and Atzmaser and Saif is so that we should work on our love for Hashem, that obviously initially it's B'chalavavcha, you know, from Oyer HaMali, you have the Nefesh Bahamas on board. Then you go up to the higher level, B'chol Nafshcha, you're willing to totally sacrifice for Hashem. And then B'chol Moidecha, which is basically off the charts on the highest level of connecting to Hashem. But again, because the point is, the whole goal of the whole creation of the worlds, we should serve Hashem. And we should serve Hashem through these three levels of B'chol Vavcha, B'chol Nafshcha, B'chol Meidecha. Now, so back to the idea. Moshe Rabbeinu, what did Moshe Rabbeinu pray? Moshe Rabbeinu, the prayer of the rich man, prayed that the infinite light of Hashem, higher than Mali, higher than Soivev, should come down into this world. But how did he accomplish that? He accomplished that through prayer. What is prayer? Prayer is the avoid our work, Milmatulamaila. And by bringing down this, this infinite light into this world through our Avodah, <clears throat> that creates a true Binyan Adayad, an everlasting edifice for Hashem, because you're bringing in the greatest light, but you're bringing it in through the Avodah, just like through the Avodah of Ava. The same thing also, the prayer of Moshe Rabbeinu was to bring down the powerful light into this world. Now, why is that so important? Because in order to have an elevation where the infinite light of Hashem comes down to this world is specifically when there is something which is called Avodah Adam. When a person does the work, that's when the, uh, the, it, the light takes its most impact and, and, and connects to this world in the deepest way. Now, but the question is, one second, that's amazing. But Moshe Rabbeinu is praying that this light should come down to the world. Has it, how does it affect Moshe Rabbeinu? Moshe Rabbeinu is like off the charts. But the truth is like this. Even though Moshe Rabbeinu is off the charts, and technically he's experiencing Eirah Mali, he's experiencing Eirah Saivev, he's experiencing Atzmas and Saiv, and he's technically praying for B'nai Yisrael that the infinite light should come down to this world. And here the Rebbe teaches us something very, very, very powerful. And that is as follows. Moshe Rabbeinu, his main purpose, and the Rebbe used the term primius, his essence of his being in this world, wasn't to bask in the light of Ayyam Ali, Ayyam Ali, Ayyam Ali, that wasn't who he was. 
Moshe Rabbeinu's mission in this world was he was a Royesh al Yisrael. His job was to take care of the Jewish people. That's who he was. True, he connected to Hashem and he spoke to Hashem and Malay, Saiv, Atmosphere, and Saif. But who was Moshe Rabbeinu? He was the leader of the Jewish people. That's who he was. And if, God forbid, by a Jew, any Jew, man, woman, child, something was lacking, guess what? There was a lacking in Moshe Rabbeinu. Not a lacking that he was lacking something. But when something is lacking by somebody else, he felt the same void. He felt the same lacking. And if somebody was in pain, he felt that pain. And as it says actually in this week's Torah portion, that Moshe and Bnei Yisrael is one. Rashi says, Moshe is Yisrael and Yisrael is Moshe Rabbeinu. So therefore, if there's something lacking by a Jew, and there's something lacking by anybody, it was lacking by Moshe Rabbeinu. So even though he had all the highest levels, he was lacking also. So therefore, when he prayed that we should experience the infinite light of Hashem, guess what? It was for us, but it also filled his void. Because when we have a void, and when we're lacking, and we're suffering, Moshe Rabbeinu is suffering also. And since that's who he was, that actually filled Moshe Rabbeinu's void as well. Because all his wealth that he had, physically and spiritual, that's, in the words of Zohar, of, 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 the, of the Rebbe, it's chitzonius, it's external, that's not who he was. The essence of Moshe Rabbeinu was the fact that he was a leader of the Jewish people, and through the fact that he prayed, Tefillah Moshe. The prayer of this rich man that knew everything, but he prayed for us because he felt our lacking and he actually filled our void and therefore he filled the void of his own as well. And the Rebbe says, and that applies to every single generation, when there's a representative of Moshe Rabbeinu or an extension of Moshe Rabbeinu, in Hebrew it's called the Spashtush of the Moshe in every generation, that the main purpose of the extension of Moshe Rabbeinu that the leader of the Jewish people is, is to take care of the Jewish people. And whatever is lacking by the Jewish people is lacking by them as well. And as the Rebbe says, for example, when it comes to the Alter Rebbe and the Friedrich Rebbe, and he says a phenomenal idea, when they went to prison for spreading the teachings of Hasidism and mysticism, so we look at it, they went to prison, oh my gosh, they're in trouble. They didn't experience any of that stuff. They did not experience any pain or suffering from going into prison. They were totally above it. However, since for the followers that watched their leader go into prison, it was very painful. So since it was painful for the followers, it was painful for them as well. So therefore, even though when there was the redemption, you can say, what do you mean they were redeemed? They never felt the pain or, they never felt the pain or suffering. But the answer is because when they went out, it brought release to their followers, that brought release to them as well. And based on this, Rebbe says that's why when the, the, there's a direct connection between the Tefillah Lamaisha, the rich person's prayer, with the Alter Rebbe and the previous Rebbe, because they were on the same level where basically they did not experience any lack or any need or any want. However, their, their followers did. And therefore, when they prayed, they prayed so that the followers should not have any lack and any need or any want, the desire which is not met, and they should experience the infinite light of Hashem um, in, specifically in this world. Now, Jeremy goes on to explain that um, when, the, when, the, uh, when they experience that miracle, so there's different types of miracles. There's a miracle which is above nature, and a lot of miracles happen that way, 
totally above nature. There's miracles that happen in nature. And then there's a miracle that happens in nature. It's a miracle. But the nature doesn't, doesn't block the fact that it's a miracle. So it's actually a mix of the two. Which means, which means, again, you have a miracle above nature. You have a miracle within nature. And then you have a miracle, and nature doesn't hide the fact that it's a miracle. Where the whole world sees it's a miracle. In other words, nature, Shema Elohim, does not hide it. And we see that it, when it came to the previous Rebbe and the altar were going out of prison, the people that were opposing it actually helped. Which, that's the highest level of miracle, that the opposition is actually helping. Which, that's the idea of Malchus. Malchus means when there's something lacking, and Malchus gets filled up with the infinite light of Hashem, and... When Malchus gets filled with infinite light, that means that in the world, the world realizes that Hashem is the infinite, is the ultimate power, and that's basically when it says Tfil Moshe, which basically the, the prayer of a rich per, a person is he wants to be built, and he wants the world Malchus should experience the infinite light of Hashem, and based on Moshe Rabbeinu's prayer, and based on the fact that the, the, the previous Rebbe and the author experienced this idea of bringing in the infinite light of Hashem into this world, that allowed us, and that gave us, anyone that's connected to the previous Rebbe, the author Rebbe, to connect to Moshe Rabbeinu, that our faith, our faith that we have, and we know faith is above intellect, should also be penetrate into our intellect. And that our intellect should not block our faith. And this is important. So in other words, like this, you have something which is called faith. Faith means I believe. Explain it. I can't explain it. Then you have something intellect, which I, I understand. Either I understand or I don't understand. The ultimate goal is that faith should penetrate into your intellect. That even your intellect should understand that something which is above faith. Even your intellect should understand that Hashem runs the world. It's hard to comprehend it, but you understand that faith allows your intellect to get it which is a hard thing to explain, but it's a whole different level. Because faith, we know, is like, okay, fine, I have faith in Hashem. Intellect means I understand. Here we're saying is that you understand what? That faith is the real power. Which basically means that, that it explains in, in a practical terms, that we know there's something which is called Kedusha, holiness. You walk in the shul, it's a holy place. You walk in certain streets, not necessarily so holy. But the goal is that the Chutzah, a place which is not holy should recognize in a revealed way the holiness of Hashem. In other words, that the, whole, that the outside world not only doesn't conceal godliness, but actually welcomes it. And as Rebbe says, we know that it says before Mashiach comes, it says in the prophecies that when Mashiach comes, it will be revealed the honor of Hashem. Everyone in this world is going to see that Hashem is, that Hashem is speaking. That what does that mean? It says the word basar. Basar means meat, flesh. That the physical world is going to recognize that Hashem is the ultimate power. And based on this, let me finish off to explain why it says, that while we require to bring the para, the red heifer to Moshe Rabbeinu, seemingly as we, we asked in the beginning of the discourse, only Moshe Rabbeinu was busy with the first one, not the later on the, eight, the next eight that were done, and the future one is going to be Mashiach comes, because since the mitzvah para 
What's more paraduma? It's a chukah. It's a statue. It's above nature. And it's above nature for us, B'nai Yisrael. And therefore, it's so for even to Moshe Rabbeinu, he knew the reason. But since for us, it's, it's above nature. For Moshe Rabbeinu, it's also above nature. And we have to bring it to Moshe Rabbeinu because Moshe Rabbeinu inspires us that we should fulfill all the mitzvahs. Not only Paraduma, not only the Chukim, but every single mitzvah we should fulfill, Kabbalah Sayyidah. What does Kabbalah Sayyidah mean? As if Hashem gives us this Chukah Chakakti, Gzeir Gzati, Hashem told us to do it, we're ready to do it. Now, how do we get to do that? I mean, it's hard. We want to understand things. We get that when we connect to Moshe Rabbeinu. Because Moshe Rabbeinu represents Bittal. Moshe Rabbeinu represents humility. Moshe Rabbeinu is Vanach When we connect to Moshe Rabbeinu, we can live our life that even things that we do understand, why are we doing it? We're doing it because that's what Hashem wants us to do. So Moshe Rabbeinu knew the reason of Parah. He knew the reason. Hashem told him the reason. But nevertheless, why did he do it? Not because he knew it. He did it because he was willing to do whatever Hashem wants him to do. And based on that, we, every one of us, are able and ready to let go of our intellect and do what Hashem wants because Hashem asked us to do so. And as, we, as it says, Hashem gave us a, a statue and Hashem made a decree. And we don't have permission to even question it. What does that mean? For sure, we're going to do all the mitzvahs of Hashem. The 248 positive, the 365 negative, 613 commandments. And we're going to learn Torah. Even if we don't understand, we're going to do it. But the, the goal is that even in our intellect, where we do think we understand, we should be willing and ready to accept everything. And the Rebbe finishes off and he says that it's brought down, it says that the para aduma is actually in there. There's a reference to all the four exiles. So, for example, the first one, it says para is a reference to the exile of Egypt. Mitzrayim. We were in Egypt. We were in, in in Egypt in exile. Aduma red is a reference to the exile of the Babylonian exile that we went through. Tmima is a reference to the exile of Madai. Asher Eim Bamum, There's no blemish. Is the Greek exile, and so they all represent the Paraduma represents Paraduma represents the four exiles. Now. But when we use, take our intellect and accept with Kabbalah soil, which is above intellect, that creates a preparation that the revelation of this world will be, the world will recognize Hashem. So it is when we do our Avoidah, when we do our Avoidah, which is our Avoidah, that even though we understand things, we're willing to accept Kabbalah soil, that's the connection between Chukas to burning the Parah. And the Rebbe explains very, very simple, because when we basically do chukas Torah, which means the whole Torah, all 613 commandments, the whole learning of the Torah, we do it as a chukah, we're willing to accept. Through that, we're sreifas hapara. We actually burn away the exile um, by literally creating within ourselves the, the ability to have Kabbalah soil. And we do not question, and we just do what Hashem wants, and what does that mean? Not only in, 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 in faith we do what Hashem wants, but even in intellect we practice Kabbalah Sayyid, we actually burn away the exile. 
And as the, as the Rebbe quotes from the previous Rebbe said this, that again, when we accept everything with Kabbalah soil, we burn away all the exile. And then we obviously go together with the Rebbe and the previous Rebbeim to the Gula, Amitis Vashlema, to the ultimate redemption with Mashiach Tzidkein and Bekar of Mamash. Obviously, this is a very, very powerful Hasidic discourse. A lot of Kabbalah in here. But I think there's really one, there's many, but there's one major takeaway message. True, God gave us tremendous, tremendous gifts, intellect, emotions, etc. But when we're able to let go of it all, and we're able to connect Hashem with Kabbalah soil, and where our intellect says, not just we're just accepting, our intellect says, we come to the realization that our intellect says, accept, we're able to draw down the most powerful light into this world, and that literally, as Rabbi says clearly, wipes away any global exile and any personal exile. So if you want to experience Redemption, if you want to experience freedom, practice Kabbalah soil, not only where you're just turning it over, but your intellect realizes that Hashem has the greatest power. And when Hashem has the greatest power and you accept it, you'll merit to have all the greatest blessings of true freedom and happiness. And as Rebbe says, most importantly, will merit to the ultimate redemption with Mashiach Tzidkenu. Thanks so much for joining us for our class.